tonight, I want to kind of just dive right in. Uh, you know, tonight is a night that we take some time to, you know, just reflect upon God uh, through song, but also uh, through fellowship and through the word. And typically on nights like tonight, what we do is we also take communion. And I want to talk to you tonight on a topic, uh, and I'll get into that in a second, but I want to, I want to start off by, by taking us back to something that Jesus said that ties into what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's interesting, but the Lord Jesus on that night when he was to be betrayed and turned over to eventually be crucified, uh, the uh, Apostle Paul records that the Lord Jesus said unto the disciples, this is my body, this, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it. Do this as often as, 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 often as you take this bread. He says, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then the scriptures go on to, to denote that the Lord Jesus did the same thing with a cup. But I want, I want us to focus real quick on this idea that the Lord Jesus said, I want you to remember me. And that speaks of a function that many of us have that oftentimes we neglect. And it's what we do with our mind. It's what we do with our mind. It's what we think on. You know, we can learn a lot from the disciples in these final moments. And I would submit to you on your own time to go and dig into the word. And what you'll find is that in these final moments, mind you, Jesus had already told them, I'm going to be crucified and then I'm going to be raised again on the third day. Yeah. And somehow they didn't get that. Jesus told them, listen, in this world you're going to have trouble, but rejoice. I have already overcome it. What was happening? And which leads me to an opening point, and it's this, is that wrong thinking can never produce right living. Let me say that again. Wrong thinking can never produce right living. We cannot think wrong. We cannot think inconsistent to the word of God. We cannot believe and, and, and process things according to an old way and expect godly results, expect new results. And so tonight I want to talk to you about your mind. And I want to start off by telling you what the scriptures denote about your mind. You have a beautiful mind. You have a beautiful mind. You have a mind that has been created by God. A beautiful mind. And our ability to think with this mind is powerful. It is a gift from God, but it depends on what we do with this mind. I want you to start taking inventory of how you think. And I want you to consider this. What do I do with my thinking? What am I doing with my mind? How am I using it? Let me give you an example from the scriptures. We're not going to turn there just yet, but we're going to look at Genesis 11.6 in a second. But the scriptures tell us that there came a time where um, mankind began to rise up. They began to think alike. They began to function as one. And the scripture says that one day they came up with an idea that they thought was a great idea. They told one another, hey, let's build a tower that goes all the way into the heavens that everyone would know who we are and the scripture says that God saw what they were thinking he saw what they were doing and he came down to physically look upon it and when he looked upon it Genesis eleven six 6 says that the Lord said indeed the people are one 
and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. I want you to consider what the scripture is saying here. Nothing that you and I do with this mind, when we are centered, focused, when we are united as one in our thinking, there is nothing that we cannot do. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is a negative perspective. This is a negative example of what we can do with the power of our mind, which tells us something. You can do great things, godly things with your mind, or you can do very destructive things. Either way, this mind is powerful. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7 is a familiar passage of scripture, and it tells us, do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. I know some of you are going, I've never heard that scripture. I bet you you've heard this one. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. It's important to read uh, Proverbs 23, 7 in context. Because if you read it along with verse, 20, uh, with verse 6, what you see is that the implication here is that no matter what a man says or does, he cannot get away from his thoughts and motivations. Check this out. We can fluff it. We can fake it. But we can't get away from it in our heart. You can't get away from your thoughts. You can't get away from your thoughts. Maybe you might be the type of person that says, man, it's going to be a great day, and you actually see a great day ahead of you. I guarantee you that you probably have better days. For that person who says, yeah, it's a great day, but it's going to rain. It's going to be cloudy. I guarantee you, your day will go in the opposite direction. According to the word of God, here's what he says. As you think, so are you. Let me say that again. As we think, so are we. Hey, what are you becoming based on how you think? You got to think about that, right? Now, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 are powerful portions of Scripture. They tell us about the fulfillment, the, the, the wholeness, the power that is inherent in our, in our minds. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, what? Abundantly, come on, work with me. Above all, what? That we ask or what? Think. You guys ain't tracking with me. Let's try this again. Now to him who is what? Able to do what? Exceedingly, what? Abundantly, what? Above all, we ask or what? Think. According to the power that works in us. Listen closely. It says, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's go back to verse 20. If we could just put that up. I want you to consider what the scripture is saying here. According to Ephesians verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 20, it tells us that the most effective use of our mind, the most effective use of our mind is when it is aligned, our thoughts, and what we ask is aligned with God's ability through the work in us. What is that talking about? Whether you know it or not, your mind is always working. 
always working. Always working. This mind of ours is constantly processing and making decisions both consciously and unconsciously. And what the scripture says is that God's ability, which does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what we could ask or think, that happens according to the working in us. What does that tell us? According to how you think, what you think, you'll experience the abundance of God. What, is, what does that teach us? This mind is more powerful than we think. Now, I know for some of us, we're of the opinion, oh, God, you're in control. God, take control. God did not create puppets. God created people with power. And part of that power is inherently working in the function of our mind. What are you doing with your mind? What are you doing with your mind? See, the disciples, they had a dilemma in these final moments with the Lord Jesus. They were thinking the worst. They were thinking the worst. What do you mean you're leaving? Wait, why can't we go with you? What's going on? What are you talking about? What, 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 what is he saying? Who's going to betray him? Me? You? No, it's got to be you. No, it must be you. It's not me. And herein, they're all thinking the worst, and as a result, they're thinking the worst led to believing the worst. And believing the worst led to, uh, think, uh, I'm sorry, believing the worst led to seeing things worse. And seeing things worse led to things being worse. Why is that important? Because we cannot solve problems with the same thinking that created them. Hear me, friend. Hear me, you who are online tuning in, you who, who catch this later on. We cannot, we cannot find solutions with thinking that is aligned with the same, the same way of thoughts that created the problems. It's not what God desires for you and I. And so, this does not have to be our story. Because the truth is, you can think new thoughts. Listen closely. You can think new thoughts. You can talk a different talk. You can begin to believe in greater measure. You can see and experience life in a new way. You can dream new dreams. The question is, how does that become possible? 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Watch this. But we have the mind of Christ. What? What? What does that mean that we have the mind of Christ? The simplest way that I can put this for you and I is this. Because that is such a mind-blowing statement. The simplest way I can put it to you is this. Think of a baby. Have you ever thought about the fact that a baby is born with the ability to walk, to talk, to think, to create, to fulfill a destiny, 
to do great things? Have you ever thought about that? And yet a baby's born with all this capability, all this capacity, all this ability that is in this child, and yet the reason why they can't do it is because they don't know it. They don't know it. But the moment they begin to discover what they can do, how many of you know all bets are off? <laughs> Trust me, I got two grandkids. My granddaughter has discovered the word no. <laughs> no, and she's discovered the word mine. And here's when, it, here's when it gets real interesting. When she says, no, mine. She, she puts them together. She's emphasizing, no, this is mine. What's my point with that? My point with that is this, that like a baby, like a baby, we can know the Lord's, we cannot know the Lord's plans. We cannot know his thoughts until we realize that we actually already have the mind that we need to realize all that God has said we can do. This walk of Christianity, friend, is not about getting anything from God. We're not trying to get anything from God. We're not. You know why? Because we already have everything we need from God. Amen. And according to the scriptures, you, you and I have the mind of Christ. The issue is many of us have not discovered it. How do you discover the mind of Christ? How do you tap into that? Hey, let me ask you a question. How did you figure out how to walk? You began to use those legs. How did you discover some things that you're really good at? You began to do something you had never done before. You know what the problem is for many of us when it comes to this mind of Christ, this wisdom of God that's already in us? The, the scripture gives us this promise. It says that we have everything that pertains to life and godliness according to his great and precious promises, our knowledge of them. According to our knowledge of him. In other words, you already have it. The question is, why aren't you tapping into it? And I submit to you, that the reason why we don't tap into it is because we don't even begin to fill ourselves with the knowledge of what we already have. The scripture says that when we look into the perfect law of liberty, talking about when we look to Christ and we begin to see who Christ is, it says that it's like a mirror that reflects unto us what? It begins to capacitate us. It begins to enlighten us. It begins to show us, wow, this is who I really am. This is what I can really do. The scripture says that as he is in this world, so are you. Some of you didn't get that. I'm going to tell you why. Because the implication there is exactly what you think you heard. As Jesus is, so are you now. Chew on that one. Chew on that one. And so Romans 12.2 gives us an indication of how this process happens. Let me ask you before we go there, 
Do you think of yourself as strong? Let me ask you a question. Do you think of yourself as gifted? Do you think of yourself as healed? Do you think of yourself as capable? Are you that person that kicks yourself down before you even get up? Is that, is that how you think? Romans 12, 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world. Do not fall into the mold of this world. Whatever, you, whatever liquid you put in this cup, it takes this form. That's what it's talking about. It says, but be transformed, but be transformed, but be transformed. Be metamorphosed is what the scripture says there. Be completely metamorphosized. Get it, fall into a mold. Become something you've never seen before. Something you've never known before. Step into a realm you've never walked in before. This is what the scripture is talking about. It's talking about going from who you were and how you thought to who you are and what you were created to become. Listen closely. It says, but be transformed, watch this, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. By the renovation of your mind. And what's powerful about the tense there in the Greek is that it's not talking about a one-and-done renovation project. It's talking about a continual renovation of the mind. I was having a conversation with someone this morning, and I was saying to them, what are you doing with your mind? How are you actually using your mind? How are you exercising your mind? How are you growing in your mind? I have a friend of mine who is a Christian, very successful businessman, runs multiple organizations, very well off, um, great man of God. But he does something that I'm still trying to get to. He says, every week I take a two-hour thinking break. So what are you talking about, Kevin? He says, I literally, well, not now because it's cold, I assume. He says, I go and I sit down by my pool and I simply think. I purposefully think and I imagine. I meditate on what the scriptures tell me. And I imagine, according to the word of God, with regards to whatever circumstances I'm processing. I actually see the word of God and I'm thinking about it and I'm envisioning what the possibilities are. This man doesn't just read the word of God and hear about a guy named Zacchaeus whose life is transformed and Jesus is not moved by his sin, but Jesus restores him and, 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 and uh, blesses him. He sees himself in the word of God. He's walking according to this. He's imagining, he's thinking great things. There's a renovation project happening and how you begin to discover the mind of Christ is by what you do with your mind to renovate it. It's according to God's blueprint. The scripture tells us that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know what the scripture's saying there? The scripture's saying that we are to take thoughts that are against the knowledge of God. In other words, they contradict the truth. It says that we're to arrest them 
and that we're to bring them into compliance through submission to Christ. What does that mean? What does the truth say about you? Tell me one time where the scripture calls anyone stupid. Tell me one time where the scripture refers to you, believer, as less than. Tell me one time, scripture, uh, believer, where the scripture denotes that you are a failure, that you cannot, that you are not to prosper. The scripture does not reveal that. My point with that is this. In those moments, are we actually taking the word of God and bringing those thoughts into compliance to the truth? What does the scripture say about who you are in Christ? Last time I checked, does the scripture say that you are an overcomer? About two of you believe that. Does the scripture declare that you are the healed of the Lord? About three of you believe that. Does the scripture say that you can do all things? About five of you believe that. Does the scripture say that all things are possible unto you with God if you believe? Yes. About eight of you believe that. But you see, to believe it is not to assent to it. To believe it is to think it. To think it. To process that way. See, while everybody else may say you can't, if you know that in your heart to be true and that is how you think, so will it be unto you. You will succeed. You cannot fail. Oftentimes we think according to our circumstances. Got to chew on that. And so I want to give you a biblical example as I wrap up here about a time that is familiar to some of you. It's a time where the disciples were with Jesus and he said to them, hey, let's get in the boat because we're going to the other side. We're going to go to the other side. And as they are in this boat, the scripture says that they are confronted by a storm. A massive wind is what the scripture says. According to what many uh, theologians believe, it was a nor'easter. And these guys are in this boat and these are fishermen. And while they're in this boat, the storm hits and the boat begins to take on water. And the scripture says that meanwhile, Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat. Jesus is sleeping. And the scripture says that they run to Jesus for fear that they were going to die. And they wake him up. And they, and, they, and they say, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus gets up and he rebukes the storm. And he says, peace be still to you. And then he turns to them and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? The issue, according to the words of Jesus, wasn't the storm at all. Friend, let me put it to you this way. Your problem is not the problem. Your problem is not the problem. Our problems are never the problem. Your circumstances are never the issue. What's going on around you is never the issue. What is the issue is how we think in light of that circumstance. Their issue wasn't the storm. The issue was the storm that had developed in them.
It was all in their mind. How do we know this? Because Jesus says, how is it that you have no faith? Why are you afraid? What do you mean, Jesus? Why are we afraid? The boat is taking on water. We're sinking. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? See, the issue wasn't the water. The issue wasn't the storm. The issue was, what are you thinking about? Which leads me to a point that I want to make here tonight. Do not forsake your understanding. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. When they woke Jesus up, they said, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? Now, you got to understand what just happened here. They are with Jesus, the Messiah. They are with God in the form of a man. And they know this. At least it appears that they know this. They've been following him now for a while. According to the scriptures, so convinced were they of who he was, so, so, so uh, moved were they by his miraculous signs that the scripture says that they left all to follow him. And so all of a sudden, they put that aside. They let go of that understanding and they accused Jesus of two things, not caring and being the reason that they were about to die. What am I talking about here? You know, you ever go through something and you started acting like God isn't God? Come on now, I know I'm talking to somebody here. You ever go through something and you start acting like God is in God. Like God is in present. Like God has never been faithful. Like God still isn't good. I remember for us, we had some small beginnings. Man, we, we, we were in a studio apartment on Fordham Road. And I thought that we had arrived and this was it. I honestly believe this is all we could afford. This is all we would ever have. Because that's how I grew up. I grew up being told about a big God, but believing small. I believed according to lack. I believed according to poverty. I believe that it's good enough for you, but not good enough for me. God may be good to you, but he hasn't been good to me. That's how I grew up. And so we came from small beginnings. And my wife always used to say this to me. Trust God. Trust God. And I would go, I do trust God. She would say, pray. And I would say, I am praying. And I wasn't. And I didn't trust God. And so when it came to getting a car, I thought small. I thought a hoopty. I thought a point eight. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say that. That's a Toyota Corolla from the 1980s. That's what I thought, a point eight. She's thinking a van. She's thinking a bigger car. Something that can accommodate us. And so I thought small all the time. When it came to getting a new place, I thought small. When it, when it came to doing better for ourselves, I thought small. When it came to advancing in careers, I thought small. Why? Because I couldn't trust God because my thinking was too small. Do you realize that you and I are called to expand our thinking according to the size of our God?
then all of a sudden, I began to take little steps. Could it be? Could it be? And I step in to a dealership and I get the deal that nobody else gets. Listen, we got raises when there were salary freezes. We got promotions where we had no credentials. We had favor where it wasn't called for. Let me tell you something about favor, the favor of God. The favor of God ain't fair. It ain't fair. Amen. But it's for you. It's for you. Amen. It is for you. So here's the thing. What part is it that we don't understand? He's God. And God remains God no matter the circumstance. He's God in the good. He's God in the bad. He's God in the highs. He's God in the lows. He's God when we understand. He's God when we don't understand. He's God when we have plenty. He's God when there's little. He's God when we're hearing him. He's God when we're not. He's God when we're faithful. And he's still God when we're unfaithful. He does not stop being God and he does not stop being present. Friend, the reason why you're standing, the reason why you made it, the reason why you continue to overcome, the reason why some way, somehow you're always coming through, the reason why you're still looking ahead and discovering new things is because of God. So what part don't we understand about you're still God. <laughs> it's like for some of us, we act like the power went out in heaven. Like God didn't pay his light bill. He didn't pay Central Hudson. Right? And the truth is that God is still God. But this is where they went wrong. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're about to die? Wait, Jesus was in the boat with them. How could they die? Now let me make that practical. Jesus is with you. Who told you you can't? Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He didn't just save you from your sin. He's your salvation power in every circumstance. He does not stop being our Savior. He does not stop pulling us through. He does not stop lifting us up. He does not stop being faithful. What part don't we understand? So you see, we cannot forsake our understanding of who Jesus is in our lives. The second point I want to leave you with here tonight is don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Do not make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Now, I know I'm meddling now. I know I'm meddling because I'm meddling in my own business. I'm telling on myself. How many times have we not made decisions where we say, you know what, it'll never work based on a temporary circumstance? But I prayed about that before. Nothing changed. So we automatically get into a fixed mindset. The problem with a fixed mindset is that it does not fix anything. It does not fix anything. 
we get stuck. We stay stuck. I heard about a dirt road in the Midwest somewhere that they say these um, would cut through uh, a, a, a patch of, of, of uh, dirt roads, dirt lands. And the reason why people would take that particular road is because that road would cut about 30 miles, about 30 miles of travel if you took that back dirt road. The problem is when it would rain, when the rainy season would come in this area, it would get all muddy. And so here's what cars would do. They would slip and slide through it just to get through to avoid all this traffic, get, get through these 30 miles a lot quicker. And what would happen is that once it stopped raining and it would begin to dry, you would get these deep clay center ruts. And so now cars are trying to go through this and they would, they would have to fall into these ruts in order to navigate so they don't mess up their cars. I wonder how many of us are traveling for the last 30 years in the same ruts. In the same fixed mindsets. Thinking the same way. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in God the way you used to believe him before you trusted him as Lord? You got to think about that. Come on, I'm pushing on your, on your mind right now. I'm pushing us to really think. Do you believe in God the way you used to believe him before you didn't know him as Lord? You know how you know if that's where you are? You claim to trust him, but you're still trying to do things on your own. See, these guys forgot that storms come and go. These were fishermen. They had been in storms before. The problem is that while this storm was going on, they saw it as a permanent sentence. They saw it as something that they could not get through. Prior to this moment, their minds were made up. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Let's get into this boat. So what changed? Let me tell you what didn't change. The instruction that Jesus gave them didn't change. The destination that Jesus gave them didn't change. And Jesus himself didn't change. What changed? Their thinking changed. And friend, here's the truth. When it comes to circumstances, God doesn't change. We're the ones that do. God doesn't move. We move. What are you doing with your thinking? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. I want you to consider what the scripture says. The scripture says that every promise that God has made, here's his answer to it, yes. Is it true that God Will, will, will bring me out of impossible situations as I walk with him and make things possible? Yes. Is it true that God's will is that I be well? Yes. Is it true that God will never leave me nor forsake me? Yes. Is it true that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? Yes. Is it true that he's coming back for me again? Yes. 
Is it true that he's faithful when I'm unfaithful? Yes. Is it, is it true that I'm seated with him in heavenly places and so I'm always better off than I think I am in the current circumstances? Yes. His promises, his answer to all his promises is always yes and it is always amen. You have to understand that amen is not a ritual. It's not a religious uh, uh, Christianese a term that we use. Amen is a word derived in heaven. Amen is a guy is a word that God Himself has spoken. And if God says Amen, it means so be it, and it is. Yes, sir. We gotta change our thinking. We gotta change our thinking. See. Circumstances come and go, people come and go, seasons come and go, hardships come and go, but God's promises do not come and go. They only come and they remain. So before you make permanent decisions, make sure that you base it on permanent information. Make decisions based on the promise of God. If I could just be very up close and personal with us tonight, and I'm speaking to myself too. Friends, we have to stop acting like God is a liar. We have to stop responding to life as if God is a liar. Because God is not a liar. The scripture says, let every man be a liar and God be true. He cannot lie. Whatever promises you see in the scriptures, God says yes to you. Yes. So why not make permanent decisions based on his permanent word? You got to hold on. You got to stand strong. You know, there's a reason why you see God tell repeatedly over and over to different men, different people in the Bible. He says, be strong and courageous. He said to Gideon, rise up in this strength of yours, mighty warrior. Ha. The last point I want to leave you with here is this. You've probably heard this. You remember that commercial back in the days where they used to take an egg and crack it? And then they put it in a pan and they would say, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. So don't waste it. Let me tell you what I mean. The disciples had a promise that day. Hear me clearly, friend. Maybe you who are watching online. It's possible that God is speaking to you right now in this moment. He's bringing truth. He's bringing light into your life right now. The disciples had a promise. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. That was a promise. If Jesus said, our destination point is the other side, here's what it meant. We're going to get there. They had a promise. But these guys were about to die. Not because he wasn't present 
Not because he wasn't faithful. Because they were killing the promise. They were killing the promise. They were calling God a liar. They were accusing Jesus of being someone that he wasn't. They were acting as if he was not the son of God. They were wasting the opportunity that lay before them. If you read this and study this out, you'll find that on the other side, when they got there, there was a man who was delivered from possession of over 2,000 demons. It was a great miracle and it brought great freedom to that entire region. You see, you may not see what's ahead, but friend, God does. Friend, you may not completely understand the magnitude of the promises of God, but God does. And when you think you can't because you can't see far enough, you must know that God is not only behind you, he's not only with you, but he's ahead of you. The scripture says that, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He knows where we were, he knows where we are, he knows where we will be, and he's given us his faith to walk in it. He has penned your life. The scripture says that he has created you and I for good works. That means that God has good things in store. That you have a purpose, you have a destiny, you are created for good things. But we can miss it. We can waste it by wasting this mind. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, Finally, brethren, finally. In other words, this is the point that I've been trying to bring you to the whole time, is what the Apostle Paul says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. Listen to this. If there is any virtue... And if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, no matter what we see, there's always two sides to that coin. It may look bad, it may be bad, but I guarantee you there's also good. Why? Because God works out all things for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. There's always something good. There's always something lovely. There's always truth in the midst of a lie. There's always something noble. There's always something just, even in the midst of injustice. There's always something pure, holy, purposeful of God. And thus the scripture says this, meditate, think, imagine, According to these things. According to the word of God, not my opinion. There's always an upside to the downside. 
there's always something good. Why? Because God is good to you. Because God is faithful to you. Kenzie, I don't know if you remember this, a couple of weeks back, we got a call. And the call was, there's been a very bad accident. One of our family members is in the church, congregant here. She, she's at the hospital. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. Okay. I happened to be in the building. I took off, went over there. Do you remember what your initial thought was when you were in the hospital? You remember that, Deborah? Her lungs, she's got all this pain in her chest, her hips, all these other things. And then there was the thought that did, did these people pass away? Because it was a serious accident. And the very first thing that we did was we prayed. Do you remember the very first words that came out of my mouth when I prayed? I said, God, thank you. Thank you for what? Thank you? Serious accident, cars totaled, people were hurt, x-rays and all these other things and, and all, everything is going wrong and feeling wrong and anxious, anxiety is high and, 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 and you know, emotions are high and all this other thing is going on. Thank you. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. God, thank you that you are able. And we prayed. We prayed. And then we talked a little bit. Right? My point with that is simply this. What we thought was going to be the worst, there was good in it. Mackenzie, stand up for me. Here she is. Standing, well able, functioning well. You can sit down. The people that they thought was a high likelihood they had passed away, they lived. They're okay. Right? What's my point with this, my friends? Even when things look bad, your God, my God, our God is still good and working for our good. Come on and give God some praise. When we begin to think this way, orient our mind this way, here's what the scripture promises us. Again, this is a promise that God says yes and amen to. Verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, watch this, and the God of peace will be with you. It's not that he comes when we begin to think the right way. It's that we become aware that he's already there. Friends, what are you doing with your thoughts? They are the key that unlocks a transformed life, life with God. Let's stand here today.
And so tonight, as we take communion, I want to take you back to the words of Jesus. You know, he didn't call us to remember for the sake of us just having some feel-good emotions. No, he actually called us to remember for a purpose. The Lord Jesus said, as often as you take this bread and drink this cup, he said, you do this in remembrance of me. In other words, what we remember, what we do with this mind of ours, be leads us to an experience. We can begin to experience the very hand of God. We can begin to experience wholeness for his brokenness. We can begin to walk in the fullness of all that Jesus paid the price for. My friend, I am telling you today that as we take this bread and we break it, go ahead and break it, it's a function of our mind that we are called to. We're called to remember. Right now, maybe you may be experiencing some physical ailment. You may be in the midst of some pain. You may be going through something bodily, emotionally, mentally. The scripture says this, that the chastisement for our peace the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Do you realize what the scripture is saying? You don't have to carry that burden because it's been paid for. And so tonight, as we take, as we break the bread, let us remember correctly what Christ has done. I truly do have health, wholeness, healing. I have soundness of mind. I have peace. I'm good. Friend, you are doing better than you think. The problem is you've been thinking wrong. So tonight, take, eat in remembrance of him. morning just thank God thank God for life thank God for strength thank God for every time he brought you through thank God that he is present and able that his arm is not short and he's bringing you through right now thank God that he's not just brought you through right now but he's reaching into your future and paving a way so that you can continue to walk through and press forward Come on and give God some praise and thank him for his faithfulness in your life. That he is still the same God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thank God that he is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you can ask or imagine. Come on, you should start asking God. You should start thinking according to his promises because his promises, no matter what you think according to my promises, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do greater. I'm going to do more. Tonight, we thank you for your brokenness. 
and the great exchange that you've made on our behalf, that you've given us wholeness. In the same way, the scripture says that the Lord Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is my blood. It's a new covenant that I'm establishing with my blood. A new covenant. Do you realize what Jesus is saying? There's a new, there's a new thing I'm doing. There's a new future I'm establishing. There's a new way by which I relate to you. My goodness and my faithfulness, they follow you wherever you go. My mercy is new towards you every morning. My love for you is unceasing. My forgiveness for you is forever. The scripture puts it this way, that we have been sealed in the spirit. Airtight. Can't be corrupted, can't be changed what God has done in you. Go ahead and give God thanks that even when you feel old, <laughs> there's a brand new thing he's doing in you. Go ahead and give God some thanks that he's not done. <laughs> that this day and every day is the day that he's made. And you have reason to rejoice, to be glad on your worst day. It's still your best day because God is with you. Thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed upon the cross for us. You declare in your word that while our sin was red as crimson, you've made us white as snow. Hmm. Thank you, Lord, for a new covenant, a new agreement, a new life, one that doesn't grow old. Thank you for what you did for us, Lord Jesus. You not only paid the price for our sin, you paid the price so that we would have a new life. For that we give you praise and honor and glory. Come on and praise God. Go ahead and thank him right now. Take, drink in remembrance of him. Mm. Sweet Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the scripture says that we should pray at all times with thanksgiving. You know why the scripture tells us that? Because there's always something to give thanks for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Mm. Oh, we praise you. Now, Father, as we leave here tonight, we leave here knowing that you're still God and you're still good and you're still working, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you are always with us to the end of the age. For this we give you praise in Jesus' name.
Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.